Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Welcome to it. It's a Thursday. Weekend's within your grasp. Feeling good? After last night? No problem with the tibias last night, Mark Schlereth. Good morning. Good morning, Michael. No, tibias were A-OK. Bilateral tibias. Nice. Nothing wrong with Jamal Murray's tibs. No. Went for a game-high 32 points on 13 of 15 shooting. Scalding. That's, yeah. That was... That's Blue Arrow right there. That's Blue Arrow. It's Blue Arrow. Five, I know. Five or six from beyond the arc. I am not. I'm not down with Blue Arrow. Two tibs. Call. How about just two tibs? Two, t- <laughs> two tibs? Double two t- t- double tibs. Two tibs? <laughs> double tibs. Uh, uh, tibs squared. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, just a, uh, just a, uh, is it, it was the first win over Sacramento. Mm-hmm. We had. Talked a lot about, the Nuggets had talked a lot about how, hey, we don't want to go into the playoffs in a potential playoff matchup with these guys having been swept four straight. So they they put a premium on this game. But then you find out like 30 minutes before tip-off that DeAndre Fox, who is Sacramento's best or, you know, if not best, 1A. Explain that to Zach By, will you? Uh, player isn't playing, and the Nuggets, it was almost like shades of Embiid, right? When they find find out right before Embiid wasn't playing, they let down and human nature being what it is, and then they were down by seven and uh, down by, what, 15 at one point, and then they just turned on the afterburners, outscored sack 37-20 in the second quarter, 35-17 in the third quarter, so in those two quarters, they outscore Sacramento 72 to 37. See you later. It's a uh, a romp. But is it is it a hollow victory because DeAndre Fox wasn't there for Sacramento? Um De'Aaron Fox, right? De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking of uh uh Bowser there, uh, DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um sorry. You know, not really. I mean, I know that that Fox is an outstanding player, and you know he took over the game in the fourth quarter when the the, the last time they played after you know the the Nuggets waved the proverbial "we're going on break" flag. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't I don't look at it that way. I mean, to come back, you're down 15 early in that game, and then it was just like, all right, time to quit fooling around. And then what they put on, like the display they put on, and I always think it's great, you know, watching. Watching Joker not only run the floor, but watch him run the game when he doesn't have to score a lot. Like, he's happy coming away with a triple-double where he only scores 14 or whatever it was. Right. He is just, like, he loves that style of game. He loves that style of, of you know, play. And I think he's just as happy when he's just dishing, distributing. And, and it's like, um, what's his head from the uh, the Warriors said, uh, the head coach? Dream- oh, Steve Kerr. Yeah, Steve Kerr. Said, you know, like when that dude is dishing, when that dude is operating, they just are, un- they're essentially unbeatable. I'm paraphrasing, but said when he's, you know, he's dishing out 16 assists or 12 assists or 11, whatever it is, like they're really impossible to beat. And that's where they were last night. Yeah. Nikola Jokic, another triple double, but 
14, 14 and 11. As he only took nine shots. Yeah. Five and nine uh, from the field. But as we've seen with Jokic, he doesn't care. He reads the game, see what goes on, how his teammates are playing, and then just decides, all right, this is what I need to do tonight. And last night was more of a distributor. Murray had it going. KCP had it going. Four, six beyond the three. Um, Aaron Gordon, just a monster. 17, 6, and 6. So, no, hey, just a, a good win. Yeah, I would have felt a little bit better if um, Fox had been there. But um doesn't change the fact that it was a that was a beatdown. I, I, I honestly, and that's that's why I'm not putting too much stock in it because if, if Fox had, put it this way, if Fox had played, I think you would have had the same result except the Nuggets would have jumped on him right away. As opposed to waiting to the second and third I, quarter. See, I agree with you on that. I think if Fox is out there, then that they don't they don't let that lead get to fifteen. They don't let Sacramento build a lead. If Fox is there, there's a little bit more. There's almost a letdown. Oh, you know, we wanted the true test, and then they were like, "All right, here we go." I I just like I'm not a you know I'm not a flip the switch guy. I don't believe in flipping the switch, but let me just tell you, the Nuggets are, they've, they're that good. Yeah. They are that good. So they're fun, man. They're a lot of fun. Heard from a couple of people when they were falling behind. You know, what are they doing? Why aren't they prepared? I thought this game mattered. You just, I, I just don't think people understand at times human nature. Human nature is human nature. You get fired up for a game, you're ready to go, and then you find out the other team is uh, not going to play their best or second-best player. Right. Human nature is what human nature is. It It's a natural letdown. It just is. Correct. And to this team's credit, you know, they they dealt with it. They they shook it off, and then they flexed their muscles yeah. and, and blew them out. Not only that, the other team is going to play on some adrenaline. Right. 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 You know they're going to play. They're going to go out and they're going to. Hey, we. You know we're proving that we're more than just um, the Aaron Fox. You know, and, and we've got Sabonis and we've got Murray and we've got some other guys that can fill it up. And here we go. You know they've got some energy. And then you know they had the realization that oh yeah that's right, those guys are the world champs and they're better than us. On the Ramoslaw.com text line, the Nuggets starting five looks so good. I don't think anyone really matches up with them. We are so. Lucky to have them. Yes, we are. Coming up next was uh, the results of the players' poll. Proof that Sean Payton gets the last laugh. That's next. Ever since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my hiding spots. Ha! Found you. How? That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity. Now through March 21st, get started with 200 megabit internet for $25 a month for two years with no annual contract and get Wi-Fi equipment included. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Requires paperless plan auto pay stored bank account. Restrictions apply. Taxes and fees extra. After promo, regular rates apply to internet service and Wi-Fi equipment. Actual speeds vary. It's Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. Morning Brew coming up at uh, 6.30. CU Buffs continue to make their uh, late-season push to get off the bubble. We'll hear from uh, Tad Boyle after a win over Cal last night. The uh, NFL Players Association grades. This was this was interesting. This got a lot of run yesterday on 
uh, social media. It was probably embarrassing to a lot of teams. Some of the stuff that came out, what their players were were saying uh, about them and the grades that were being given. But what's, what I heard a lot of was, hey, was this validation for Sean Payton? That Sean Payton's player grade was an A-? minus. Does that dispel this, uh, this, this idea, this notion out there that after the sideline blow-up with Russ, that had the pearl clutchers around here going, oh, so mean. Oh, but pearl pearl clutchers around here. What about the pearl? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Can we start this segment? Can we back it up? Can we get the backup noise? (laughs) How come I can't say pearl? (laughs) Pearl clutchers. Pearl clutchers. I get going and I just. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me you got that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, forget about the pearl clutchers around here. Yeah. How about the pearl clutchers on go. ESPN? There you go, big fella. This is just like you cannot do that to a quarterback. I hate quarterbacks. God, I hate quarterbacks. <laughs> you can't do that to a quarterback. You can't push a quarterback. You can't have a quarterback looking over his shoulder. Well, why are quarterbacks such wussies? Why are they such wussies? Works for everybody else. Everybody else can look over their shoulders. You can't call a quarterback out in front of the... Give me a break. If you play like an idiot, you know what? You deserve to get called out in front of everybody. I think it's validation for Sean. Not only validation for Sean, but I think it goes to show you what the team thinks about Russell. I think there's very few... I think guys, like, thank you. Thank you for undressing that clown. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that. No and it may one. not be public, but it's behind closed doors. You know, and, and I'm sure there's I'm sure there's validation. Thank goodness he rips that guy's ass. Thank goodness. Because the rest of us get it. He deserves it. And, and as much credit as I, I do give Russ for the way that he came back this past year, he he read the room. He understood mm-hmm. some things were going to have to change after that disastrous first year. But that said, that first year was so disastrous, and so many allowances were made for Russ. Mm-hmm. It was all about Russ. And I would think, tell me if I'm wrong, but I would think that as a, a, as a player in that room— there would be plenty of guys who were looking at the way that he was treated and then went out and played, right. and it was like, what? Why? Why? Yeah. And so I'm sure there were plenty of people who enjoyed the fact that Sean came in and humbled him a bit. It's all about Russ. While also giving Russ credit that he did buy in the way that he did. And he did. Sure. Sure, he did. But, I mean, and that's part of... I mean, say whatever you want. You know, Sean's a complicated dude. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he's a complicated <laughs> dude. But think about... Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Actually, no, that's not so... What makes him so complicated? Well, because there's the public persona, the way he deals with the media, and, you know, he's not one of those guys that's going to suffer fools. So you ask him a stupid question, he's going to let you know that, uh, you know, whether it's some tacit look or whether it's, you know, whether it's the way he answers it, he's going to let you know it was a dumb question. 
Not my hump. I'm not. I'm not playing that game. It wasn't our hump. So he'll let you know, and and he can be, you know, he's one of those guys that lets it fly and doesn't worry about the consequences and doesn't really think if he, I hurt your feelings, then I hope you're tougher than that. Like you deserve your feelings hurt. But he's also one of those guys that is totally a player's coach when it comes to I want to take care of my players. And I go back to his time in New Orleans when I was out there and he just walks me through the whole facility and the coach's offices are straight stuck in the 70s. Nothing has been done. His office, compared to NFL coaches' offices, his office was embarrassing. Nothing. Like, it was carpet from the 70s. Nothing has been redone. Everything for the players had been redone. Weight room, locker rooms, you know, training room, cryovac machine, like, area, like, wet, hot, cold tubs, walk-in, this, that. I mean, everything demanded that they, that's where they spend all their money to make sure his players are taken care of. Like, it's, those are things, now, is he going to chew you? Is he going to rip your butt if you do something stupid? Yeah, he is. Is he going to do it publicly? Yeah, probably. Why not show that side to us more? Especially early on, especially year one. But, Especially but, when you start out one and five. Yeah, because I don't I don't think he cares what you think. He doesn't care if you perceive him as a tyrant. It's not his he knows what his players think of him. And that's really what he cares about. Mm-hmm. And he's he's interesting. You know, I mean he's he's like our relationship is interesting because if I text Sean right now, he'll text me back. But there used to be a time where I could call him and say, hey, listen, like I called him. This is a true story. So I'm going to do a game and I'm watching TV copy. And I, this year, I, this is two years, two years couple, ago. No, a couple of years ago when he last year, his last year, his last year coaching of in, in, in the in Saints. Orleans. OK, yeah. So I like to watch the TV copy and then I go into the coach's tape. And the TV copy, I, I like to watch that just because I like to hear the names. You know, I hear guys pronounce names, and you hear some storylines and things of that nature. So I like to watch, like, one game on TV and then look at the coach's tape and break things down that way. And I'm watching Taysom Hill. And Taysom Hill comes in. He's playing quarterback. Every time he's going to throw the ball, after every play, he takes his mouthpiece out and sticks it in the top of his helmet. Every time he's going to throw the ball, he leaves it in the top of his helmet. Every time he's going to run the ball, he takes it out of the top of his helmet and puts it back in his mouth. Total tell. 100%. And it was 100%. So then I started looking at TV copy of three or four games. Now, this is the kind of stuff when you're going to call a game you're going to win an Emmy for. Right. Right. Talk about predicting stuff, Romo, Romo-esque. Yeah. 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 But what did I do? I called Sean. Say, hey, man, you want, might want to tell your guy. Like, this is this is what's going on. So we have a conversation about it. Go, hey, man, thank you. Like, didn't, didn't, and we don't watch TV copies, so how would you know that, that stuff? So bottom line is we've had this, this relationship where we go back and forth. When I wasn't covering, I'm not in New Orleans covering the Saints. So there was a different relationship. 
that I'm on the radio every day, that it's definitely changed. Yeah. Our relationship has changed, which is okay. I understand yeah. it. I totally get it. So it's it's an interesting, there's a, just an interesting, and I, I understand, like I said, he's a complicated dude. And he is not going to give me free access like he gave me free access when I was just a, when I was just a national ESPN slash Fox guy. He gave me free access to the Saints. I don't get that access to the Broncos because I'm a local dude here talking about the Broncos every day, and he's going to treat me just like he does the rest of the of the Broncos media. And I respect that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Up next, Morning Brew. Aaron Gordon was in beast mode, as you'll hear Michael Malone describe. And uh, more from Sean Payton when he talked the other day at the Combine. Uh, what does he prefer when it comes to... His QB's size. You'll hear it next. It's time for your morning brew. Grab a cup of joe and get caught up on everything you need to know. Here's Schlereth and Evans. Well, about 30 minutes before tip-off, the Nuggets found out that Sacramento's best, or 1A, second-best player, De'Aaron Fox, wasn't going to be playing. And a predictable letdown at the start, but the uh, Nuggets roared back in the second and third quarters, outscoring Sacramento 72 to 37. They go on to win 117 to 96. Another terrific performance by the starting five. Aaron Gordon, 17 points, six rebounds, six assists. No turnovers for Michael Malone. But Aaron was a guy that kind of his aggression, his attack mindset, uh, just playing through people and to the rim um, was a huge part of that second quarter run. Um, and there was, uh, you know, when he plays at that level with that attack mindset, man, he becomes such a difference maker for our group. You continue to see it, and it's almost, well, it, it is designed the way that they, they run it, but... The way that they have Aaron Gordon in, as Malone calls it, the dunker role, uh-huh. where all he does is he just kind of, you know, he's like, you know, like a shark never stops moving, right? Yeah. He's just, he's just constantly working that baseline and the paint and he's just, he's just working back there. And while Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are working their two-man magic, you know, everyone's worried about what's Jokic going to do, what's Murray going to do. And then, oh, by the way, you got... MPJ and KCP out there spreading the floor as three-point threats, and then there's the shark underneath for easy layups and dunks. Are we sure sharks never stop moving? That's what they tell me. How do they know? They got, like, 24-7 shark watch? Well, they they tagged them. They tag sharks. Do they not sleep? Must be exhausted. No wonder they're so pissed off. (laughs) Right, right, right. Sometimes no they're just, eating things. Yeah, you just need a just nap. Mad, yeah. It's like You're a, hangry all the time. Yeah, if a shark just took a nap every now and again, <laughs> they wouldn't be biting surfers. <laughs> How do I solve everything? How do people yeah, not do know this that? stuff? Yeah, you're right. Listen, sharks, take a nap. Leave you us alone on the beach, will you? shark-infested water and dump a bunch of Ambien in there. <laughs> you know? Load some chum with Ambien. Let those guys take a nap. Oh, you're too much. We have a lot less shark attacks. Uh, Jamal Murray, 32 points on 13 of 15. Gosh, shooting. he was awesome, right? He was on fire. Dude, and that was like a play. You know what? There you have Jamal Murray. That was... Them treating a game like a playoff game because they had not beaten Sacramento. Right. What does Jamal Murray do in the playoffs? Right. 
That's why don't worry about Jamal. Don't worry about him. Gosh, when the lights are brightest, when the games matter the most, he'll be there. What was he? Thirteen to fifteen. Thirteen to fifteen. And he and he took and it, there's, those aren't all bunnies. Five of six from the three, three point. Yep. Wow. And uh, Nikola Jokic, another triple-double, 14, 14, and 11, despite taking only nine shots. Five of nine. For Jokic, you looked around, kind of read the temperature in the room, and said, eh, no. I don't need to do a whole lot offensively. Uh, we'll let other guys shoulder the load. Next on the uh, Morning Brew, Sean Payton talking at the uh, Combine. Maybe give us a little glimpse as to uh, what he wants in a quarterback, at least the size of his QB. Quarterbacks that aren't as tall, maybe that aren't prototype. I think, generally speaking, it might vary how teams value prototype heights, but 6'2 might be a, a starting point. What was Drew Brees? Six foot. All right, so that was that was the outlier. But moving yeah, forward, but what you he'd gotta, prefer his guys to be. What you got to understand is Drew Brees played on his tippy toes. Oh, oh really? Tippy toe, tippy toe, tippy toe. Tippy, tippy, tippy toe. Yeah. So he played like he was 6'2. Correct. I'm, I'm like I'm being serious. Go back and watch Drew Brees drop back and stuff. He is he played the whole game on his toes. It's like a ballerina back there. Great feet. Yeah. His little feet going back there. Yeah. He so he played. <laughs> I don't know why I love that so much. He played like he was six three. He was always uh, on his toes in the pocket and then looking through the top of his helmet too. He always. Oh. Like he was, so he made himself neck. as tall as he could be. I'm, I'm telling you, it look, it look when you started studying it, it's like, oh, this is awkward looking. Yeah, that's how he played. Like new Lelouch breathing out of the top of his eyelids. Next, that's exactly right. Next on the uh, morning brew, another important, crucial win for Tad Boyle and the Buffs as they take care of Cal last night. Look, do they care? Hell yeah, they care. I, I don't talk about it one bit. I've not brought it up one time. The only time, time I do is when I'm answering your guys' questions. But that is the last thing that I'm thinking about. we got to win the next game. I have said that our margin for error is behind us. Yeah, they, they have no margin for error. They are squarely on the bubble. If mm-hmm. you uh, look at different bracketology uh, projections for the buffs, they are either uh, one of the last four in or one of the first four out. So they are still firmly ensconced on the bubble. So I, I look at their situation. They got two regular season games left. I think they can, in, in a perfect world, they win both. I think they can split. But then they probably need to win. Whew, probably need to win two games in the Pac-12 tournament to truly feel comfortable about getting in. Mm-hmm. I, I think they need to, if, if they're playing four more games, well, five counting the tournament. I mean, I think they've got to win a minimum of three of them. Right. Minimum. Absolute minimum. Next on the uh, morning brew, the Avalanche on the road tonight in Chicago. Taking on the Blackhawks. Is that an official? Chicago. Chicago. And now they talk in there. What's, what's, what's Chicago sound like? We got people from Chicago. I don't know. Yeah, what do Chicagoans sound like? Do they? Do they all sound like Harry Carey, or or or, or uh, the guys from the Saturday Night Live skit? Da Bears, yeah Bears, yeah. Dicka, Dicka, da Bears. Uh, Avalanche tonight uh, in Chicago. 
Uh, Val Machuskin, by the way, back working out with the team, but uh, not taking the road trip. Mm, probably wise. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Too soon? Yeah, no, right. no. We're going to leave the party planner at home. Yeah. Oh jeez. Okay. Is that they're not right? Or? That's, well, let's 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 Is assume that, that things have Okay. I'm things just, have changed. Let's right. assume things have been cleaned up a little bit, okay? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You don't need to to worry about that kind of stuff. By the way, um how bad is Chicago? How bad is Chicago? Uh Connor Bedard, they're all everything uh, rookie. Yeah. Uh missed a, a bunch of time. Um, is, is is now back with the team, but he missed a bunch of games. Missed over a month and a half. Just trying to keep his teammates away from his mom or? Shut up. <laughs> what? what? Well, why did he miss so much time? <laughs> By the way, <laughs> speaking That's of that. That's a full-time job. Speaking of that, that I, was listening to, job. I was listening to the drive yesterday, and, and they threw out an interesting question. Would you throw a fifth rounder ah. to the Jets? For Zach Wilson, right. Well, let's have to, let's let's talk about that yeah, one. That's, a, that's a good keep, question. If that happens, I'm going to have to keep Mrs. S at home. But uh, <laughs> Connor Bernard uh, missing over a month, but uh, still remains the Blackhawks' leading scorer. So Avs in Chicago tonight. That'll do it for the morning brew. Bring that to you each and every morning at six thirty. Up next, Troy Rank, our Denver Post insider. As he's uh, now writing for the Post, uh, he joins us coming up next. You're listening to Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Troy Rank is our Denver Post insider as he is back with the uh, Denver Post. Going to be uh, starting up as a columnist. Right about all the sports here in town. But, uh, you know, he's been doing the Bronco beat for Denver 7, and he was uh, recently, this week, at the Combine in Indy, back home now. He joins us on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline, so I have no doubt by now you know totally uh, what Sean Payton's going to do at the quarterback position for the draft, right? No, but I do know that he's embracing this challenge. He he had a fascinating quote uh, at the Combine on Tuesday about that he thinks they're going to be really good at finding a quarterback, and it helps that there's a lot of teams that aren't good at it. And that was, it's just, you know, I like the idea that he knows what's at stake. And he, it was my question that he answered when he talked about the meme of, you know, this guy wearing the Broncos shirt with all these quarterbacks with lines to him, and it's their job to get a quarterback where you don't cross them out. And it is. And when you look at the must on this team, I mean, it starts at quarterback. I would say tight end is in there as well. They need an edge rusher. But, again, if you cannot find a solution long-term at the most important position in the league, you got no shot. But I think they're going to address it in multiple ways. I do believe they'll bring in a veteran this year to compete with Stidham while still drafting someone. It, it feels like they're going to draft someone. You know, a lot of the J.J. McCarthy talk was out there when I was in Indy. I don't know how real that is. I know he checks boxes, but it definitely you got to keep an eye on McCarthy and Bo Dix. Uh, Jaden Daniels is one that's getting a lot more buzz, but he may move all the way up to second to the commanders with Drake May dropping to three. And I just don't think the Broncos would have the stomach to move up that far. But uh, I do believe they're going to draft one, you know, at some point, whether that's a 12, whether that's moving up a few spots, I do believe they're going to draft a quarterback. 
Is there anybody that we're, we're, we're missing at the quarterback? We talk about all the guys. You know, we talk about J.J., Bo Nix, Penix, you know, all, all the, the top three guys. But is there somebody we're overlooking? Is there somebody else here that may be more of a, you know, a third-round type of guy, a second-round type of guy that maybe, you know, maybe fits that role for Sean Payton? You know, Drew Brees um, was a second-rounder. In in Charger Land, so yeah. I'm, is there anybody else that we're missing that maybe we should be taking a dive and, and looking into? Well, I, th- I think you have to certainly have your radar up for Michael Pratt from Tulane. He had coaches from New Orleans on his staff. They would have great intel on him uh, with Peyton. Uh, he's a guy that you know started not unlike Knicks and Penix and you know, McCarthy, guy who started several years for Tulane, got progressively better, runs a little bit, he's mobile, takes care of the football. Uh, he would be someone that would be available in the second round, maybe even the third. Uh, and again, Michael Penix, I don't know that he's going to go in the first round. Now, if he gets great medical check out this week and teams are, you know, they get some concerns, a uh, leave, uh, Mark, he could go. But Michael Pratt's one to keep an eye on. Another one, and I just don't know because of the turnovers. Uh, he, he reinvented himself a bit. But Spencer Rattler, from just from a, a talent perspective, you could argue has first round talent, but you know, he bombed out at o- OU and then two years ago at South Carolina was just okay. But he, he definitely showed maturity and how he handled stuff and adversity. And I'm not saying for Broncos, but that's a name that's definitely going to go off the board probably in that second, third round for somebody because the, t- the arms talent is just, you know, breathtaking. But Michael Pratt from Tulane is a name. Yeah. I think because of, Ties to a Saints coaching staff, and again, he's very similar to McCarthy and Nix and some of his skill set. So I would keep an eye on him as well. Troy Rank joining us as he was out at the combine earlier this week. If they do not go quarterback at uh, at twelve, what position would you see them targeting? Yeah, I mean they need a tight end. If, if Bowers, the kid from Georgia, were there. I can't imagine they would leave him on the board. I mean, with all due respect to Greg Dulcich and Lucas Kroll, Kroll's, you know, wildly inexperienced, and Dulcich just hasn't been healthy. But if Sean Payton's offense is going to run effectively, they've got to have a pass-catching tight end. And, you know, Jonah Smith, you know, became a free agent yesterday, and maybe you can dabble in free agency, but, again, they're talking about, and George Payton reaffirmed this idea, they're not going to be big in the first wave of free agency. So, if Bowers, for some reason, were there at 12, which I find highly unlikely, you keep an eye on that. But And then if not there, uh, Jared Verse from Florida State, an edge rusher, a true edge rusher, a guy that you point to and go, he's going to get his 12 sacks. With, you know, Cooper had a nice year, and he can support the edge and hold the edge. But right now, when you look at Bonito, you look at uh, Browning, both are going to start getting paid. And unless they you know get to that point where they break through, you can't have like five – rotational pass rushers. One has to be a guy where you point to and say, that's our guy. I'm third and six, game on the line. We feel like he can go get the quarterback. So a guy like Jared Verse is someone that it makes a lot of sense for me if you stay at 12. Uh, there, again, if Bowers were there at 12, I, I think they would race the card up to the podium and take him. Um, you know, when you look at you look at where they are right now as a franchise and you look at kind of who Sean Payton is, and you look at the grades that were given out by the NFL players, and and you know, in the Players Association grade, and the fact that that Drew, uh, that excuse me, that uh, Sean Payton got ended up getting an A minus. 
you know, and there's a lot of people out here that are, you know, nervous and, and, oh, Sean's a bad guy and Sean's this, that, and the other. What does it say about Sean Payton, the way he handled the Russ situation, that these players graded him out as an A-? minus? Yeah, listen, Sean Payton in the building is different than Sean Payton you see in the media. I mean, he, he hasn't been great with us in the media. You know, he can have some tense, awkward, uh, confrontational press conferences. Listen, I don't care. I mean, my, my readers... Uh, and viewers and listeners don't care my opinion of how he deals with a press conference. It's about information. So that's a different thing, but it's a public lens. I understand that. And the public has a right to form a, you know, impression based on that. But what's inside the building obviously is different. And when I talked to players last year, uh, they loved the accountability coming off, you know, the clown show that was, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, this idea that we're going to be held accountable. The detail-oriented practices mattered. And when they benched Russ, there were some guys upset, but I would say more were not. You didn't see an outcry. I mean, yeah, there were definitely guys that were, you know, like, really? You can bench him? What does that mean for me? Of course, that's a natural reaction in a workplace. But it wasn't an outcry of, oh, my God, this guy, you know, what is he doing? He lost his marbles, his coach, benching Russell Wilson. And that showed you how this connection with, we finally got a leader here that's, you know, knows they respect his resume. I mean, you have to, but they watch how they do practices. You watch how it's run. The version of Sean Payton in the building, Mark, is different than the one we see. And I think that that ranking, in some degree, is a reflection of that. I don't know how accurate those are because I don't know how many players actually take it seriously when they vote and if some are worried about anonymity. But I would say there is a difference between the coach in the building and the coach you see in press conferences. Good stuff, Troy. Thanks, pal. You got it. See ya. Troy Ranker, Denver Post Insider on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. Four down territory. What has Michael Malone seen different from his team coming out of the All-Star break as compared to going into it? You'll hear it next.